to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine, joined as always by Noah Banks. Hey, what's up guys? And we brought on a special guest to come celebrate a delectable 7-2 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. We got downtown Stephen Brown. It's always a pleasure to come on this podcast, guys, but it's even better after a game like tonight. Oh, it's... This is going to be a lot funner than it otherwise would have been. Like, if this game had gone the other way... I don't even know if, if I, I would have joined you guys it. after game one, like you originally wanted, this would have been a completely different podcast. Yeah, that <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad I didn't talk after that game. Cause there would have been a lot of foul language and a lot of, uh, poor wishes to Tampa Bay, but tonight still lots of poor wishes for Tampa Bay, but I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling really good right now. John Tavares with a hat trick, Mitch Marner, a couple goals, the stars showed up. And to be honest, it was just a beat down from basically start to finish. They responded in exactly the way that you would have wanted them to, but not just the entire team in general, but the players that you would have wanted to respond the most in that game. John Tavares, like you mentioned, with the first Toronto Maple Leaf hat trick in the playoffs in over 20 years since Alexander McGillney did it way back in the second round against the Philadelphia Flyers. Mitch Marner with a three-point effort. Morgan Riley tying the record for the most assists in a single playoff game. By a make by a leaf, he tied Doug Gilmore. Like it's just unbelievable. And it's not just that. There's we keep going and going, going down the list. It's just outstanding individual performances, and the team really did respond tonight. I think personally, my favorite part about the game tonight is that we're leaving it with um, the vibes are just going to be unreal for the next couple of days. There is legitimately nothing to complain about. The big boys showed up. The game was amazing. There was a bunch of goals scored. There's fun stuff going on with Guy in Yellow Sweater, who's my new favorite Leafs fan. Just the vibes are unbelievable right now. And whoever that uh, that lady was yelling at Corey Perry in the in the penalty box, like that that lady's a legend in my <laughs> eyes. So it was, yeah, start to finish, the Leafs dominated on the ice, and then they showed that they're not backing down this year either. We saw Luke Shen get into a fight. We saw Mark Giordano get into a fight. Tampa tried to take it there, and the Leafs were more than willing. They stood their ground. And to be honest, they're, uh, they're leaving more bodies on the floor than Tampa is with, uh, with Hedman out, Chernak out. Now I don't know what the deal is with Sorelli, but it looks like Matthews kind of, not going to lie, blatantly interfered with him. Um, and he was a little bit shaken up. So the Leafs, they're... We've been saying it a little bit. Like, this team is just kind of different. We add guys like O'Reilly. We have Luke Shen, who, you know, regular season, say what you will about him. But I didn't mind having him out there in a 7-1 game to uh, to help keep the other boys safe. And, hey, another really important thing, especially after the type of game one that we saw, is that the referees handled that third period exactly the way that they should have. And I don't understand why they don't do that more often, Right. Like, if I'm a referee in that situation in a 6-2, 7-2 game and there's 10 minutes left and the other team is just going to try to cause trouble for me, what do I want to deal with that for? Just kick them out. And that's what they did, one after another. And it was amazing. And I got a text from somebody that I work with at TSN. He's a highlight manager there. Been there for a really long time. And he just said, Stephen, don't you let anyone tell you 
that the crowd at Scotiabank Arena isn't loud enough anymore. Because all night long, no one could hear any whistles, and I'm pretty sure the crowd was responsible for getting Corey Perry kicked out of that game. It's just unbelievable vibes tonight all across the board. The boys responded, like we said, in every way that you would have possibly imagined. And Steven, I'm so glad you shouted the refs out there because I thought they had a great game. A couple things were let go each side, but I didn't feel like the refs gave either team an advantage. And in the third period, they showed up in a big way. There wasn't anything rough. There's not a Department of Player Safety hearing going on tomorrow. These two teams, it's I thought that was unbelievable game management at the end. And uh, I don't feel like they influenced the game at all either way. Uh, just like it just seemed like a really good game for them. So uh, I, I'm I, I know personally I like to crap on the refs when uh, when it's convenient for me, but it is important to also boost them up when they have a good game like that. Like how often can you use the term game management in a positive way in the NHL? Like you just said that like game management. What is it associated with? Just those dumb calls that we see the West Macaulay Classic and tonight. Eric Furlat, you know what? Game seven wasn't your best night, but tonight you made up for it in, in a small way. So, yeah, I, I credit the refs. Um, I was saying when we were up like 3-1, 4-1, I was like, when Tampa was doing kind of dirty plays to us and getting away with it, I was like, good, I want to see that because we know every penalty we get is probably going to lead to a power play for Tampa. So I was happy to just have them let the boys play. As long as they're consistent with it, if they're going to keep it for both teams, I'm fine with that. So, yeah, good night all around. One of the biggest things coming into this series, and I'm sure it was talked about a lot, but the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last three regular seasons led the NHL in both penalties taken and penalties drawn. They wanted to play as little of this series at five on five as possible. And in game one and I guess game two, they've sort of stuck to that game plan, I guess, but obviously didn't go their way tonight. I felt that the Leafs handled them very well. And when... Um, the refs are actually doing their jobs. They're not that effective in that sort of sense. Yeah, it seemed like they there was something missing from Tampa tonight. And I want to credit some of their injured players. But it also did feel like when they weren't getting those um, conversions on the power play early, and Toronto was, that as soon as that didn't really work out for them, it seemed like Tampa's game plan was kind of thrown out the window and they shifted quickly just being, oh, yeah, well, don't worry. This game doesn't matter. We already took one. So... Um, I, I like that. That was interesting. Just they uh, they lose out on those power plays and their game plan kind of goes to crap and uh, they had really no response for this Leafs team tonight. And the reason why they do that is because most often than not, they're going to have a better power play than you, right? They have a lot of talented players in that respect. And if they just play the game, uh, the entire game on special teams, like I said, they more than likely have a better power play than you, but they more than likely also have a better goaltender than you. And Andre Vasilevsky, I don't know, man. Like, he's the guy that I was most worried about heading into this series for obvious reasons. You know, he absolutely slammed the door on the Leafs in game six and seven last year. And he's been an absolute animal the last three years in the playoffs. But he's got a 920 career save percentage against the Maple Leafs throughout his career. But against the Leafs in the playoffs, anyone want to take a guess what that save percentage is at? After Definitely tonight? sub 900. I got no clue. Uh, I actually calculated the number here. I've been, sorry, it's a little bit anticlimactic, but 887. 887. 887 after tonight. And I also saw somebody mention that um, 
This was, he's played nine playoff games against the Leafs, and only in one of those has he allowed less than three goals. So, whatever it's the amazing. Leafs are doing against him, it's great. Like, you said you said it right. He shut the door in game six and seven last year, but we still, in spite of that, had a chance to win game six. We had three goals. We don't need to go back into what happened after that, but this team showed last year to me that they're a little bit different, that they're able to, you know, fight adversity. That's why I had a little bit more confidence coming into tonight. And yeah, and, and speaking of goalies, by the way, shout out to Ilya Samsonov because after that game was one nothing, Tampa got a couple power plays. Tampa kind of controlled the play. The shots were 6-7-1 at one point. And Samsonov had amazing rebound control. That was kind of his big concern from game one. He was just sucking pucks up like a vacuum. And oh, that is that might be one of the bigger points to take out of this game is that Sam Sammy looks so calm. Everyone was just so bad in game one. And Samsonov included in that. But like Sheldon Keefe said after that game one, it's so tough to evaluate really anything in that game because there was no rhythm. There was no pace. But he definitely needed to be better if the Maple Leafs wanted to even up this series, and especially if they wanted to win it. And yeah, he was everything. You can go up and down the lineup. There is not one Maple Leaf player that had a bad game tonight. No, and just going back to Vasilevsky for a second, I just I loved how they kept peppering him with goals. We got that late power play, and they put the PP one line out there when you're up by six, and you uh, to get that seventh goal, and just um, which ended up being the Tavares hat trick. And I just loved how you were doing that. Maybe shake Vasilevsky's confidence going into Game Three, leaving the arena tonight. Going, man, I let seven goals, and I'm not the greatest goalie in the world right now. And. The crowd, too. Just to go back to that, they were chanting, Vassy, Vassy, Vassy. It was electric tonight. Maple Leaf Square inside the building. Again, you can't let anybody tell you that Scotiabank Arena is dead. The fans just want some new memories. They want something to cheer about. And the team gave them absolutely everything to cheer about tonight. Yeah, the Scotiabank Arena is, I'll admit, during the regular season, it's a ghost town. Like, it's just because we, you know, all the corporate stuff, all whatever. But tonight, yeah, that was an incredible crowd. Um, I have mixed emotions on the Vazzy chant just because it's like, part of me is like, yeah, rub it in, make him feel bad. Part of me is like, do I want to poke the bear with this guy? I mean, he's done it time and time again. But honestly, it's going to come down to the players on the ice more than anything. And honestly, if if Tampa is without Chernak and or Hedman for any more games in this series the Leafs absolutely have to win those games because even with Hebman on the team even with Chernak I still think the Leafs are the better team but when you take those guys away like that Tampa defense really only has one top four guy in Sergachev the rest are bottom pairing at best speaking of not poking the bear in last year's uh series the first couple of games the Tampa Bay Lightning did not have Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak playing together and in a video I remember I sort of pointed that out I'm like hey you know they're not using these two guys together and if the Leafs could just take advantage of that and then right after I said that promptly the next game John Cooper put them together and they shut things down for the Tampa Bay Lightning last year they were unbelievable as their shutdown pair so even if the Lightning do get them back in this series at some point there's no way those guys are at 100% and last year after the playoffs ended it came out that Victor Hedman was playing through a torn meniscus. Like that guy does not come out of the game. And for him to have missed tonight, uh, maybe the nature of the injury was a bit different, but it's obviously not something small that's holding him back. And obviously the way that Chernak got hurt, like it wasn't the greatest of hits, but at the same time, it's playoff hockey. You're going to try to take a pound of flesh from your opponent, any chance that you can get I'm not condoning the way that that happened, but you got to take advantage of it 
Yeah, and I will say about Hedman, before the series, I I was listening to a podcast, I think, and the guy mentioned from Tampa that he had seen, uh, Hedman was injured earlier in the year, I think it was an upper body injury, some people speculating that it's a back, and Steve, you brought it up in your pre, uh, playoff preview that he had been a shell of himself this year, and a lot of people think that's because he was playing a bit more timid, he was favoring that upper body injury, so if he aggravated that, that's... Yeah, if he comes back, I don't think you're getting the Victor Hedman of last year. And if he's not a top, top pair, bona fide superstar defenseman, Tampa is in deep trouble. For years, Victor Hedman has led that Tampa Bay blue line in time on ice, in uh, ice time playing up against the other team's best players. And this season was probably the first in years that that wasn't true. Mikhail Sergachev led that blue line in points and time on ice all season long. And if you're looking at who Tampa Bay ran out there against the other team's best players, you got to go all the way down to number four in terms of ice time to find Victor Hedman there. They just haven't used him that same way. And even though they are dialing back those minutes, if there is something going on there with his back or some sort of upper body injury, um, he's not playing as well, even in that reduced role. And so that's two guys there that are heavily used in the defensive minutes against a lot of the Leafs' top guys. And speaking of another one, we were talking about Sorelli a little bit ago um, when he got a little bit banged up in this game from that Matthews hit. And so if he's down too, I'm uh, I'm looking at this Tampa team and I'm wondering how they're going to counteract uh, the Leafs' top guys if all three of those guys are out or not playing at 100%. The odds of Tampa overcoming those I don't think are very likely, especially after... Um, seeing their performance tonight. Yeah, and I said to myself, like, maybe not on the podcast, but I've said before on Twitter, whatever, that the Leafs are just deeper than Tampa. I think they're better equipped to handle injuries. And you add three major ones to Tampa, even one or two, like, that is going to shatter them because they're a very top-heavy team, whereas the Leafs, obviously an Austin Matthews injury. I'm knocking on every piece of wood I have in my house, but any kind of injury, you have Ryan O'Reilly there to cover as a top six center, any defenseman goes down. I feel okay about Timmy Lilligren coming in. Like there's not as steep of a drop off. Whereas Tampa, you're replacing Victor Hedman with Hayden Fleury. Like that is, that is a steep, steep drop off. And the best thing in looking at just those time on ice stats and how they've deployed Hedman this year is that that's not really my opinion or our opinion that there's something wrong with Victor Hedman. That's John Cooper's opinion, right? Yeah, and he's clearly wasn't just saving it for the playoffs. Because if you're playing, you know, if you're playing at a worse level or whatever, like you're still going to probably play against the top competition because of who they have behind him. But yeah, it was Eric Chernak and I think Ian Cole were Tampa Bay's top defensive pairing this year in shutdown minutes. And then not to just like you got to add the fact on that Ryan McDonough's out, not out there too. Like if you take away three of their four best defensemen from last year, even if you take one or two, like I said, that is such a critical blow to an already kind of shallow team. And and also, just talking about guys that aren't there anymore, you mentioned Ryan McDonough, but Andre Pilat isn't there either. And that's an underrated, sneaky good player, scored three goals in last year's series, had five points. Um, you know, if you're and if you're looking at what Tampa Bay added at this, at this year's deadline, Tanner Janot is kind of invisible tonight. I don't know if he's 100% healthy, and even if he was or if he wasn't, he's definitely not after he punched Luke Shen in the face a couple of times tonight. They showed the camera zooming in on his hand, and that thing was all bloody and purple. 
Um, so whatever was bothering him previously, uh, now his hand's not looking so good either. Um, if you just look at the additions that the Maple Leafs made to their team and the subtractions that Tampa Bay had and then just the non-additions, um, last year's series, the Leafs actually scored one more goal than the Lightning did through seven games. They actually had one more shot on goal than the Lightning did through seven games. That's how close that series was. And when you look at the additions and the subtractions, the Maple Leafs should come out on top here. And Steven Stamko said as much before the series even got started. And just important to note on Tanner Janot's uh, hand, it was his right hand. And I believe he is a lefty. And so that is the top end of his stick. So even if he is able to play and that knee issue is, isn't bugging him, taking shots, um, trying to get in on the forecheck, you know, even just one hand on the stick, just gripping that stick. If his wrist is all, I mean, if his knuckles are all swollen up, that's going to be increasingly more difficult. So uh, like we were saying before, the injuries are really starting to pile up to a, to a Tampa team without as much depth as, as they've had before. And speaking of depth having to come in, we saw Michael Bunting get a three-game suspension and Matt Nyes came in and he looked every bit like an NHL player. Like, I am wondering where he ranks in the least forward group right now. It is certainly not 12th or 13th. No. And working for TSN and putting together some items uh, this year for some of their shows, I've gotten to watch a lot of Matthew Nyes. I've gotten to comb through a bunch of the highlights this year. And some people, you know, you might be worried about putting a teenager into a playoff series, doesn't have too much experience, but the parts of his game that are his best um, are just him playing away from the puck. He's so good on the forecheck. He's so good hunting down loose pucks, and he's really good at getting lost in the offensive zone and just absolutely ripping pucks through goalies. We saw that in the last regular seating in the last regular season meeting between these two teams when he almost shot a puck right through Vasilevsky and O'Reilly poked it home on the doorstep um his style of game and what he's best at is super simple and if you just ask him to do that and nothing else too more you don't overcomplicate things for him he's going to be good in this role and I feel like with him, there, he had every excuse or reason to have a bad game tonight. You know, he's a rookie, 20 years old, coming into his first uh, first home game. It just so happens to be a playoff game, and it's his fourth NHL game. And he comes in, and he stands out for all the right reasons. Uh, he had two minor penalties. I'm not going to get hung up on those. Uh, just just a great game. And he, he just he looks so good out there when you kind of zoom in on him and you see him just down low, getting his big body in the way fighting off checks, fighting off guys, trying to take the puck off him. It just seems so effortless out there for him. And it's just, you know, seeing that guy at 20 and thinking, man, we got this guy for two years of an ELC and beyond that. I just, I can't wait to see what this guy turns into. It's just, it's so exciting to think about. We are really seeing why the Leafs moved heaven and earth to get him in the lineup for the last three games and get a look at him. I am... I am very glad we played those uh, PTO goaltenders for uh, for a couple games to get him in there because he looks exceptional. I got to admit, I was skeptical of what he could bring to the Leafs in a in an NHL scenario, just given that his numbers in college weren't like crazy. Like you look at Cole Caulfield's numbers at the same age, and Caulfield had about I don't know twenty more points or something in his last year. But it's like Steve said, the style that he plays is just so tailored to the playoffs, and that. I just found myself constantly tonight being like, that third line is the best third line I can ever remember the Leafs having. With him, 
O'Reilly and Noel Achari just hitting everything, forcing turnovers below the goal line. Like they were exceptional. I know he didn't get a point tonight. At least I don't think he did, but he led the team in expected goals percentage, and it was easy to see why. You can't underestimate the versatility and just the the, the like just having Ryan O'Reilly on your team. You can't put it into words how valuable that is up and down your lineup. Doesn't matter where you want him to play, who you want him to play with, in whatever situation, the factor is ready to go. And he showed that tonight. He's one of the funnest players to watch in the entire NHL in the offensive zone. And not because he's weaving and diving and deking in and out of guys. It's just because when somebody takes a shot, he's going to get it back. And he's going to get it back again and again and again and again. And it's just constant. Just I don't know where that guy gets the energy that he does, but he's constantly in on every single puck. And when you do that, you create so much pressure on the other team and things just open up. And I felt he did, a, did an amazing job at that tonight. I can't believe Ryan O'Reilly's a Toronto Maple Leaf. And that whole third line, 88% expected goals tonight. You know, they didn't score at five on five. But man, you watch that line. We got a couple more games in Tampa. Like, it's hard to see a scenario where that line doesn't convert. I uh, just, like you guys were saying, you know, hard on pucks. And I just... Every time that line stepped on the ice, it felt like Tampa was having just the worst time dealing with those guys. And that made me so happy seeing guys like Nick Paul going out there and just being like, oh, my God, I got these guys again. And just getting shelled was was just music for the soul. Yeah, we talked about it before the series that our bottom six should be an advantage. Even without O'Reilly, I thought they would be. But in game one, clearly that wasn't the case. The team was just shell-shocked off, shell off the bat. But like, if they could put that kind of performance together, together for the rest of the series like even the uh the fourth line they were up above 87 percent expected goals as well like the it was pretty much a drubbing from start to finish and Lafferty I thought looked good he had a lot of speed on the four check um Aston Reese same thing potting a goal and like especially if Victor Hedman and Chernak come back guys like that constantly over the course of seven games hammering those guys behind the net making every play that much harder is just going to be such a critical thing for the Leafs yeah you can't understate the improved depth that the Maple Leafs have this year. I mean, there's just there's there's not enough good things that you could say um, about their performance tonight and just everyone as a whole, top to bottom. Everybody had a good game tonight. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about our forwards, talking about Tampa's D, but another area where we have to give a ton of credit is to the Toronto Maple Leafs defense tonight, and most notably Morgan Riley with an insane performance, putting up numbers. Uh, his first assist, it was funny because it was that first goal that Marner scored on the power play, and my dad yelled at him. He's like, Riley, what are you doing? Because he put it in Marner's feet. Marner ends up scoring, and he gets an assist. But I got to say, every other assist that Morgan Riley had tonight was well-deserved. Um, Noah, you were talking about his stats in the playoffs the last couple seasons. Like he, for whatever, you know, problems we have with him in the regular season, he seems to be one of those guys who is able to turn it up in the playoffs. And all four of those points that he had tonight were primary assists. He was just all over it. And the best way you can imagine, he is a guy that turns his game up come playoff time. But Heading into these playoffs, you know, I made a video talking about a couple of things that the Maple Leafs maybe might be worried about heading into this series, and Morgan Riley 
was on that list, you know, because if you're going back to the trade deadline and you're looking over the numbers, it wasn't so good, especially when you're looking at the type of pairings that this team wanted to have. They wanted to play Jake McCabe with TJ Brody. They wanted Mark Giordano with Justin Hall. So that sort of leaves you with Morgan Riley and Luke Shen. And that combination was just not working out, you know, because you got those top two pairs and it's sort of your shutdown pair A, shutdown pair B sort of thing. And that leaves Morgan Riley to just feast in all of the offensive zone opportunities you could possibly imagine. And it just wasn't working out for this team. And even though the Leafs won seven of their last 10 games going into the playoffs, that was an area, it was an edge that we hadn't necessarily seen from them, but we've seen it through um, the first two games anyway. Riley didn't get on the board in that first game, but funny enough, you know, that Riley-Shen pairing, they didn't play a whole lot in the offensive zone in game one. At least didn't really have the puck a whole lot, but they were very effective in their minutes and they were even better uh, in game two tonight. And isn't that all we've ever asked for Morgan Riley just to be like one of those types of number one D's that maybe don't need a, a specialty partner and can kind of play anywhere, play in all situations. And, you know, he's really come through lately uh, with his ability to convert in the offensive zone and just, um, I know I personally was giving him a bit of flack this season and just to see him come through uh, playing the minutes he has, winning those minutes, um, just in this game even alone. Um, just really happy with Morgan Riley. And if he can keep playing like this, man, I have absolutely zero issues with him if we get this again. And I think we're just really seeing the growth of the stars right now. Like they're all putting up fat numbers through two games. Mitch Marner, six points in two games. He's been incredible. Matthews has four points. They're all assists. You know, those goals are going to come for him as well. Tavares had a hat trick tonight. William Nylander kept doing William Nylander things has a couple goals already in the series. Like if the big guns keep showing up like this with the improved depth we have, it's my, my prediction of Leafs in five is, is not feeling the worst right now. No. And like Mitch Marner's got six points through his first two playoff games. He was absolutely all over the puck tonight, especially on the penalty kill. The penalty kill wasn't so good in game one, but Mitch Marner getting his stick in lanes, breaking up passes, uh, diving to get the puck to Matthews to stop the Tampa Bay players from getting the puck and coming back into the Leafs zone a couple of different times tonight. He was absolutely all over it. And, you know, we wanted a response. We needed a response. And Mitch Marner had a superstar type game. And don't take it from us. Um, Matt Nyes was also saying in some of the post game, I was just reading up on it, where he was talking about the big four or the big five and just how they lead by example. And tonight is such a perfect example of that. You know, you um, we really needed these guys to step up and all of them came out tonight and they uh, they led by example and they led on the score sheet and you know I'm I'm feeling pretty confident about Saturday night's game going into Tampa that we do have the kind of guys that can take it right to Tampa and can uh, can really make this a series. Hopefully they can make it a poor series and, and really you know relieve some of our anxiety. Yeah, there's always the uh, the potential of seven games with the least, which is kind of what we've just come accustomed to expecting, but. Yeah, the way they played tonight, but it, we've seen it, right? We saw game one, things went completely in Tampa's way. We saw game two, things went completely our way. And we saw it even last year in the playoffs. We would get up in the series, and then we would not take advantage of the next game. We couldn't put together consistent games back-to-back where we got off the good start. So I think the start of the game in Tampa is going to be so critical with that loud crowd, 
you know, with all the pressure, all the intensity in the building, if we can get off to a good start like we did today, I think that's going to do wonders for them. And look, the Leafs dropped game one. They lost home ice advantage, basically, in this series. I guess you can say it's sort of tied because the Leafs will have game seven if it does get there. But at the same time, um, they're going into Tampa Bay now. Um, the game's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, John Cooper's going to get to control the game a little bit differently, I'm sure. He'll try to do that uh, pre-game, during the game, and post-game like he usually does. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel a level of calmness that I didn't think that I would have after tonight, no matter the result, because I don't think the Leafs could have played a better game than what they had tonight. And I don't think they could have played a worse game than what they possibly would have had uh, in game one. But this series shifting back to Tampa, you know, they dropped game one. They basically need to win four out of six games against Tampa. That's a tall task to ask. And maybe that makes you feel a little bit nervous, especially considering the way, again, Vasilevsky played in game six and seven, if it does get there. But I feel good. You know, like I said, in that video where I talked about some of the things that the Leafs should have been worried about, Heading into this series, um, I listed the power play, which has been great so far in this series. They've scored a boatload of goals. They don't have the number exactly in front of me, but Morgan Riley was also on that list. He's been fantastic. And obviously Tampa being Tampa, taking and drawing a bunch of penalties, wanting to play the game basically on special teams uh, and Michael Bunting, which is he's going to sit out the next two games after this. That probably couldn't have gone worse in game one. Um, but in game two, I think they handled that a lot better. Now, Noah, here's a question for you. Um, now we know there is going to be another game where Michael Bunting can play. So if that is the case, given what you've saw tonight, it's obviously going to depend on what happens over the course of the next two games. But where do you think Michael Bunting will slide into this lineup, if at all? I think he will. I think a big problem with Michael Bunting that he faces right now is the Leafs have to right a wrong that they had last year. I felt like they went into Tampa last year knowing they had to only win one of the games instead of having that mentality that we can take both of them here. I felt like they won game three last year and kind of mailed it in for game four. And so in order to right that wrong, you'd have to go up 3-1 in this series and win three straight right now. And then I don't know if you come out of Tampa winning three straight and you're up 3-1 in the series, I don't know if at that point you're switching up your line. So even if Bunting is ready, do you risk putting him into the lineup and having Tampa make a move on him and uh, sending him right back to Department of Player Safety for a meeting or the refs having an eye on him? Because, you know, if, honestly, if the Leafs come out like that the next two games with that lineup and it looks like that, I have a really hard time putting Bunting in because I don't really want to break up any of the lines that we saw tonight. Knowing how great Michael Bunting is, I just don't know if he might even have a role right now. And look, the Leafs didn't make Michael Bunting available to speak after game one, but obviously being from Scarborough, we know that he has the passion. This is a guy who cares a lot. And over the last month, month and a half of the regular season, the Leafs or the, the officials made an example of him. Every single penalty he drew, he was called for a coincidental minor. And even in some of those scrums after the whistles, when he was just kind of being all limp up against the boards, he would still get called for a penalty. He really was trying. He saw red, I guess, in that one moment. But I think for a guy like Bunting, 
it's an emotional game. It's an emotional decision. Um, he'll have some time to reflect. Um, he obviously missed game one last year with an injury and then wasn't at a hundred percent. I think he wants to be a part of this. Um, it's just that, you know, with Keith and him and Dubas, um, this is must win and you need to set some boundaries here. So when he does come back into the lineup, I don't think it's in a top six role. I think it'll be in a, a much reduced role than what we saw him in game one playing with Matthews and Marner. But in that role, you know, play, maybe playing 10, uh, you know, 15 minutes a night at the absolute most, um, I think he could be effective for you because the Maple Leaf depth on that left side, even though Matthew Nyes has come in now, is still a bit thin. And Bunting scored 23 goals for you in the regular season. He's an important player. You need him there. Yeah, you guys make some good points. I... I don't, I don't know where I'd land. Like, if, if Bunting's suspension was only one game, I don't know if I'm putting him in for game three because I don't know who I would really take out of the lineup. Like, before you would have thought Aston Reese or Lafferty, but those guys both played really well today. There's no chance Matthew Nye should ever be in the press box again as a Toronto Maple Leaf unless he's resting for next year's playoffs or something like that. But it's a tough choice, and I definitely agree with you, Stephen, in that there's no chance he can play in the top six just because you don't want... I feel, I said it when he got kicked out of the game or when he got suspended that I didn't feel that disappointed that he was gone just because I feel like the, re the Leafs are going to get a better whistle without him there. So even if he's on the team in general playing a bottom six role, I'm a little bit scared of how the refs are going to treat us a little bit differently. So not having him there, I feel like it at least gets the calls your way. And I think, Noah, you're right. If If we win the next two, I don't think there's any way you can change up the lineup. Less is sometimes more, and I think that's the perfect way to describe um, how Michael Bunting would be deployed if, you know, when he comes back into this lineup. I'm going to say when, because I think he draws back in uh, no problem for game five, I guess it is. Oh, I love that Less is more. <sighs> Less is more. Especially if you had to put to him, him in... For the next game, who would you be uh, sliding him in for? Uh, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, that was the question uh, coming into the playoffs with Matthew Nyes. Like, everybody wanted him in the lineup. Well, okay, who do you take out? And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. You know, and I, I feel like um, the answer would be Zach Aston Reese. You know, and some people might not like that, but when the Maple Leafs were going with 11 forwards and seven defensemen uh, towards the end of the regular season, he was the guy who was the odd man out there. Um, I feel like they they really like Sam Lafferty. They want him to be more involved. He signed to a contract next year. He just traded for him. I really like his speed. I really like his penalty killing. I really like the fact that he could play center. I know maybe he hasn't played as well. But at the same time, there are no more games being broadcasted on TSN this year, right? Zach Aston Reese being Mr. TSN, uh, scoring eight goals, I believe, in 10 games that were broadcasted on that network. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Any guy that you pull out of the lineup is going to be undeserving to sit in that press box. But that's the whole point, right? You have good players, and having too many of them is never a problem. That's basically the opposite problem that Tampa has right now. They're icing Darren Radish in their top four. They're they're looking at Hayden Fleury out there. They're if you know who like who is their twelfth forward? Like it is 
unbelievable the depth we have compared to them right now, especially given the health of the two teams. That's why I wanted to see more guys kicked out towards the end of the game. I wanted them to literally have nobody left on the bench, just John Cooper standing there not knowing what to do afterwards. Well, I saw a video. Uh, it looked like Corey Perry actually might have saved Pat Maroon from getting kicked out of the next game too because apparently he was going to try to spear a fan. So, man, I, I got to say, there's nothing it's an interesting I would decision. love. Yeah, there's nothing I'd love to see more than him crying or being upset after we beat them in a series like i cannot tell you how much i absolutely hate that man along with with cory perry and cory perry it's especially harsh because we know he wanted to be a leaf and we chose wayne simmons or joe thornton depending on who you hear about that and it hurts but man is he a good shit heel you know what i think either of those guys are gonna get a lot of respect in the handshake line no matter what do you think we could let Yellow Sweater Guy in the handshake line too? <laughs> I want to send him down on the MLSE private jet with the Leafs and like, like put him put him behind the the bench of Tampa Bay for game four, five, six. Like throw him in there, just I, talk to him. I really hope they didn't ban him from Scotiabank Arena. I really hope they didn't do that afterwards because they showed a couple of shots of the penalty box afterwards. And there was no more yellow sweater there, so I can only assume that he got kicked out of the game. Uh, I hope he's allowed to be back in the building at some point. That guy's a I hero he, in my books. I hope he was just gone because he was going up to Kyle, Kyle Dubas' office to go get a handshake and a badge of honor. <laughs> Is that really where we're at at this point in the podcast? Like, are we... Um, yeah, I mean, Toronto, they, they always love... The little guy, right? And yellow sweater guy um, shares in this victory tonight. Um, but looking ahead to game three, I'm I'm feeling confident. How do you guys feel? I feel way better than I did after game one. Let me tell you that. I don't know if I said it on the uh, on the pod, but I did go to game one, uh, and so that go train home was pretty depressing. I'm not gonna lie. I did not leave early. I stayed all the way to the end. And just, I do remember it being a sad go train home. And oh, it's, it, my girlfriend was very quick to tell me, oh, it's over. Don't worry. You'll, you'll, have, an, you'll have an easy summer. But no, I, um, yeah, I just, I feel so much better. I, it's just, it's so nice knowing the boys showed up and uh, we're going to get to spend the next two days uh, kind of riding this high. Yeah, I, going into game three, well, I said before the game, I tweeted out that for some reason it had game two versus Montreal vibes to me. It just felt like a game where the Leafs had a really deflating game one and they were going to come out and absolutely beat the bricks off of the team. And they did that. And in that tweet, I also said it was going to be like games three and four in Montreal. So that would mean that I'm expecting two wins in Tampa. And finally, I said, there's no Alex Galchenyuk on the Leafs. So I expect a win in game five as well. So that's where I'm at, Steve. I'm feeling like... Especially if Chernak is out, I think his injury, if it is a concussion, if he feels okay enough to play, it might not affect him as much as Hedman's does. Just because, you know, if, if his head feels fine enough to play, he's probably okay. Whereas Hedman, I think no matter what, if he comes back, you're getting a shell of him. So I feel like no matter what, that Tampa D is going to be depleted. And the Leafs just have to knock it in their heads. As long as Sammy can do what he did tonight, he doesn't need to be spectacular. Just stop the ones you have to stop. This team is going to put up offense against that basically AHL defense core. 
I've mentioned it a couple of times here, working at TSN, I'm a story editor for SportsCenter, so I get to sit in the background um, of SportsCenter, you know, when, like, after a Leaf game ends, and you can see the big room in the background with everybody running around, like, checking with their heads cut off, because they're trying to get stuff in for TV as last minute as possible, and I was sitting there on Tuesday night for game one, um, and I'm just, I, I was watching the game and melting into my seat slowly and slowly. And a lot of people like to say, you know, TSN, Toronto Sports Network, or whatever like that, a lot of Leaf fans that work there, it's quite the opposite. That newsroom is a very hostile environment for Toronto Maple Leaf fans because it was just a constant carousel of people walking by me. How you feeling? How you feeling? How you feel? Not good. Not good, guys. <laughs> And um, heading in to Tampa Bay for game three, um, I feel like it wasn't talked about enough, but heading uh, into Tampa Bay for game three, um, the Lightning were one of the worst teams in the NHL on the road this year. They were bottom 10. They had a losing record on the road, but at home, uh, they were a completely different team. They had the second most wins in the entire NHL. So whatever advantage um that they have there at home the comfort level you know being able to sleep in your own bed um whatever effort the maple leafs brought to the game tonight they need to they're definitely going to need to bring it again if not more so on saturday night all right now uh now before we get out of here and just get into a loop of talking about how we think the Leafs are going to win the next three games a hundred times. Let's get into our uh, stars of the game tonight. So, Steve, I'll let you start. Who's your uh, best player for tonight? Before we started this segment, Noah said he had a player in mind that he didn't think anyone else was going to say. And I think I know the player that he's going to say, and I'm going to be that guy. I think Noah was going to pick Justin Hall for that valiant effort that he had in that fight against Corey Perry. Like, Justin Hall was on the ice for six goals against in Game 1, and the effort and the sentiment that he brought to Game 2, just putting in the work and trying, <laughs> was absolutely unbelievable. I think we've said a lot of nice things about a lot of players tonight on the Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, and I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Justin Hall for the effort there. It's really funny because Justin Hall was not my guy, but the reasons that you listed were my reasons for picking Mark <laughs> Giordano because oh, Giordano went in there thinking, I'm going to fight Belmar right now. And then he looks over and Bogosian comes in and he has to fight Bogosian. So I was giving my star to Giordano for saying, oh, I'll take on Belmar, no problem. <laughs> Having to go up against Bogosian and just getting his lunch fed a little bit but putting up a valiant effort so similar reasons so are you guys basically saying i should uh pick luke shen as my star then uh i'll go with uh, i'll go with somebody a little bit more offensive tonight we barely talk about him even though we had a hat trick but i'll go with john tavares three goals two of which were at five on five which has been a big talking point that he only had one five-on-five goal since some point in March. So to see him dominating out there, hat tip to Morgan Riley for the beautiful assist on the first goal that he got. It was just good to see Tavares show up in a big moment, much like he did in game six last year. And if we can get this version of John Tavares, not even every game, but just 
you know, every game or two, it would be, again, it, it makes the lease pretty much unstoppable because you almost always know what you're going to get from 34 and 16 at this point. Not to steal the thunder from Johnny Toronto at all, but to go back to Noah's star pick there, I think Mark was thinking if his helmet popped off, maybe he could catch a light at the right angle or something like that and blind uh, Zach Bogosian, who was towering over him in that moment. I don't know. It, it, just immaculate vibes all around from everybody on the roster, top to bottom. Yeah, three fights in one Leaf game. Like I don't know when the last time that was happened, but... You look at any of the other playoff rosters we iced. I don't think there's three guys at any point who are willing to fight. And the fact that we have that now, even if one of them is Justin Hall, it's just, I don't know. This team just feel, seems to be coming together in a different way. Um, I think the factor, like you said, Steve, Ryan O'Reilly gives me so much more confidence in this team. I feel like it gives us a kind of swagger. I feel like he probably came in today before the game or after game one. He's been there, done that. They can respect him. And the key is that, He's not somebody who's washed up. We saw it tonight. He was turning pucks over. This team just feels different. They just feel like so much more of a playoff team than they ever have. The factor gets it done anywhere with anyone in any situation. That's my. That's going to be my thing from now on with Ryan O'Reilly. That can be part of his uh, Con Smythe winning speech, I would think. So, Guys, I got to say, great podcasting with you as always. Thanks, Steve, for coming on as a special guest. Yeah, of course. It's like I said, it's always a pleasure to join you guys here, especially after um, a Leafs win. I'm glad that we did this after game two and not after game one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would have even been been able to do that <laughs> after game one. But uh, let's hope we have uh, Steve. I think if we uh, if we win a round, I think we got to have you on again. We got to get you on to celebrate the. Uh, let's. I almost don't. I almost. I'm not. It's not going to jinx it. We're going to win a round. Okay. We're going to win a round, and we're all going to celebrate together. It's going to be great, right, Noah? Hundred percent. This is our year, boys. All right. Well, that does it for the Buds All Day podcast. We will uh, see you guys soon. Maybe after Game Four. Still figuring that out. But uh, talk to you guys later. And.